Chapter 20 of Grace Harlow with the Yankee Shock Boys at St. Quentin by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter 20 Jimmy Starts the Machinery. The sun was well up when Grace was aroused by the lieutenant surgeon. He held a slip of paper in his hands and his face was red. What is it? questioned Grace, sitting up suddenly. "'Is anything wrong?' "'Nothing wrong but myself.' The lieutenant had received direct orders for Grace's release from an authority so high that it aroused him to instant action. The order also included a rebuke in language so direct and forceful that it cut the officer to the quick. "'I'm sorry, sir. You have done what you were ordered to do.' said Grace, after she had read the order. "'It means a court-martial if the general means what he says,' answered the surgeon sourly. "'Please don't worry for a single minute. There will be no court-martial, no comeback of any sort. Leave it to me. That hot-headed Jimmy Baldwin has said too much. I shall make him set you straight, and will do my part toward bringing about that result.' Further, you know generals, they can say things that send your heart down into your boots. You are positive that you will be shot at sunrise, but long before you have received that impression, the general has forgotten all about it, probably forgotten that such a person as your humble self exists. So has our general forgotten the offence and the remedy in this instance. You forget it too, lieutenant, asking your pardon for speaking so freely to a lieutenant. "'Thank you,' answered the surgeon, laughing. "'I don't give a rap, anyway.' "'That's the proper spirit. "'Everybody knows that it is the second lieutenants who are winning the war, "'so why should you care what a mere general says?' "'This time the young officer opened his mouth widely "'and uttered a loud guffaw. "'When Grace left him to inquire when she might expect an ambulance in, "'he was still laughing.' Captain Grace was informed that no ambulances would report at that station until after dark, the station being too close to the lines to make it prudent. The patients were carried by man or horse litter for a mile down the road where the ambulances picked them up. This means walk for me, Lieutenant, she informed the surgeon. With your permission, I think I will stroll along. What about breakfast? I still have some of my iron rations left. The surgeon urged her to wait until he could make some tea for her, but Grace was eager to get back, so thanking the surgeon for his kindness and assuring him that she would not forget her promise, Grace started away. Hello, buddy, she called to a man, who, with head swathed in bandages, was sitting at the roadside, both hands pressed against his chin, eyes closed and face pale. At sound of her voice, he opened his eyes. "'Get a blighty out of it?' questioned Grace. "'Yes,' he answered, gazing at her with a puzzled expression in his eyes. "'That's too bad. I'm on my way to pick up an ambulance, so you might come right along with me, and I will see that you do not have to walk all the way back to the next station. It is a shame to expect it of a man, but what can we do?' "'Short of ambulances, short of drivers for the cars we have, and... "'Wait! Let me hook up that bandage before you start. "'There. That is better,' 
Who put on that clumsy dressing? The litter man. I thought so. Take my arm and we'll jog along together and help each other. She urged cheerily, though her own head was aching desperately. The doughboy appeared to be embarrassed. He said little, but kept stealing glances at her when he thought himself unobserved. Nor did he ask her how she had got the wound, though Grace already had made that inquiry of him, and learned that he had sustained a scalp wound out on post duty early that morning. A machine-gun bullet had ploughed a furrow through his scalp, and he was weak from loss of blood. Grace noted the apparent lack of interest in her so far as questioning was concerned, but there were indications that he felt a much keener interest than words indicated. They reached the end of their foot journey half an hour later and sat down outside the dressing station to rest. "'Think you know me?' demanded Grace, surprising him in one of those sidelong stairs and laughing up into the face of the confused doughboy. I, I may. You see, I heard about you at the station back there. That wasn't the first time you had heard of me, buddy. Come now, fess up. What is it that's on your mind? I, I reckon I might as well tell you. Grace nodded encouragingly, favouring him with a smile that swept away the barriers that had held back his speech. I, I'm the fellow who who banged you over the head with a rifle out in the wire last night, he informed her, his face going very red, fists clenching and unclenching nervously as he regarded her narrowly. Grace laughed merrily. I suspected it, buddy. That surely was an awful smack you gave me. How did you come to do such a thing? I saw you when the light went up. The helmet, you know, was a Bosch helmet, I was on listening post and I thought you were a hun. You nearly fell on me when you stumbled into that shell crater. Well, I got up and sneaked after you. It was so dark that I couldn't see much but the helmet and then I let go at you. It is a wonder that you didn't use the bayonet. Well, you see, if I walloped you over the head you wouldn't be so likely to yell. We had orders not to raise any disturbance out there unless we were forced to it, so when we found any work to do, we did it as quietly as possible. I see. Then what occurred? Well, it was this way. I thought maybe you might have an iron cross or something, and I turned you over to have a look and discovered that you weren't a man at all. I had knocked the helmet off and your hair had tumbled down and... I got sick at my stomach over what I had done, and I was wishing a Bosch bullet would get me right quick, for I thought I'd killed you. It wasn't your fault that you didn't, so don't feel so badly about it, buddy, murmured Grace. Then she laughed, and the doughboy grinned in sympathy. Then what? I carried you back a piece and turned you over to a litter fellow, telling him to tell the doc about it and to report the incident to the captain at once. I had to get back to post, you know. Just before daylight I got mine while I was looking over top of the shell crater. When I got in and had my wound dressed, I asked the doc about you and he said you would be okay soon. That was worth more to me than a Christmas present in France on Easter morning. Say, what were you doing out there anyway and in a Hun masquerade costume? Coming in as a volunteer messenger for an officer whose regiment was in difficulties. 
Do you know whether the Aussies got through or not? The doughboy shook his head and said he didn't know they were trying to get through. I... I hope you don't lay it up against me, giving you that wallop, he stammered. Not at all. Don't worry about that, buddy. The fortunes of war, you know. It was good of you to bring me in when you might just as easily have left me where I was and avoided possible trouble for yourself. The Yanks are not that kind of animals, miss. I know that, my friend. You and all of your kind are wonderful. You make me proud that I am an American. Here comes an ambulance. I know the driver, Jimmy Baldwin. A nice mess you have made of things. Don't you dare show your face to the dock, at least not until you have made amends by unscrambling the mess you have got him into. Got room for this buddy and myself? We want to go to Blighty. Sure thing. Wait until I get my load. I'll save a place for him, and you can ride up with me. Shortly after that they were on their way to the field hospital, where Jimmy shamelessly related how he got an officer friend to call up headquarters and tell them of the brutal treatment Captain Grace was receiving at the advanced dressing station. It is a shame, Jimmy, but I do not see what you can do in the matter. I think I will write a note of explanation assuring headquarters that the one who sent the word was misinformed as to the real facts. The lieutenant was acting under the orders of the captain. I will ask Major Price to OK the letter, which I will address to him and ask him to send it on. That will protect the doc. He was very nice to me. Oh, what is the use in fussing? growled Jimmy. Justice as between man and man, retorted Grace sharply. Jimmy shrugged his shoulders and said he reckoned she was right. Upon reaching the hospital, Grace made her report to Major Price and asked permission to turn in for a few hours' sleep before resuming her duties. The commanding officer regarded her reflectively as she briefly related the causes for her long absence from her station. "'I hope you last until the war ends, Mrs. Gray,' he said. "'We cannot spare you.' but I fear if you persist in taking such desperate chances that your friends will be collecting your insurance before the Allies begin to collect their indemnity from Germany. End of chapter 20 Recording by Ashley Jane